Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. Can you feel the cool? It's the cool of Elul. The month of Elul began yesterday, which is the beginning of our journey through the fall holidays. Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. Sometimes it's helpful to think about it as life, death, and resurrection. So why do I say the cool of Elul is here? Is it just because I like rhymes? Well, sometimes. But when I say the cool of Elul, I mean the Ruach. In Genesis 3, after Adam and Eve eat the fruit and their eyes are opened, we find this. Now they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. The cool of the day. Do you know the Hebrew word there? It's ruach. In the ruach of the day. The wind of the day. The spirit of the day. In other words, we're supposed to walk with our God in the cool of the day. That's what he wants. He wants us to walk with him, with the spirit, the ruach, flowing. Walk, 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 walk with your God. And he said, walk with your God, talk with your God, walk with your God, my son, until his worth fills the earth and walk with your God, my son. No? Okay. (laughs) So the Hebrew there, as I mentioned, is ruach, as in wind, (laughs) breath, spirit. The ruach of the day was blowing through the garden and God had come to seek out the humans who are hiding. Elul is a time when God seeks what is lost, those who are hiding, those who are ashamed. And he sends his ruach, his cool, his wind, to comfort them, to draw them back. The month of Elul is written in Hebrew like this. Aleph, Lamed, Vav, Lamed. The rabbis say this is an acronym for the ruach of this time of year. Ani, Lidodi, Vidodi Li. Aleph, Lamed, Vav, Lamed, Elul. I am my beloved's and he is mine. This is from Song of Songs, a passionate love poem that is part of the Bible. 
One of the themes of Song of Songs is this longing and searching for the beloved. Just like with the cool of the day in Genesis, with God searching for his beloved ones who have betrayed him. Seeking and finding is a key theme throughout the Bible and is expressed very strongly in Song of Songs. This is from Song of Songs chapter three. I longed for the one my soul loves. I looked for him, but did not find him. I will get up and go about the city, into the streets and into the squares. I must seek the one my soul loves. I looked for him, but did not find him. The guards patrolling the city found me. Have you seen the one my soul loves? Hardly had I passed beyond them when I found the one my soul loves. Can you picture that? This is a woman searching the whole city for her lover. This love poem is about love and intimacy in a marriage, but it is meant to show us something more. It is meant to show us the love of God. God is the first one to seek, to search out the humans in Genesis 3, right after they have betrayed him, to find them, to bring them back, to send his ruach, his cool, and, and to love them back. God's love is beyond measure. It's not understandable. This is also from Song of Songs. Set me like a seal over your heart, like a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death, jealousy as demanding as Sheol, as the grave. Its flames are bolts of fire, the flame of Adonai. This is a romantic love poem, but as sure as it describes the love of intimacy, surely it describes God's love for us. It describes God's love for Israel. It describes God's love for the body of Messiah. It describes God's love for the nations. Words fail to explain the love of God for you. The Bible can only use metaphors, images. The two strongest loves we can know on earth are between parent and child and between lovers that are married. We're comfortable with the image of God being our father, that, that parental love. We're familiar with that and comfortable with that. But we're not so comfortable sometimes with the marital love of God. Yet this is the image that the Bible uses to capture our attention, to get us to understand that his affection for us has many sides to it and many layers. The Bible is encouraging us to take the two strongest loves that we see on the earth and use those to begin to begin to understand how God feels about us. This is the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 5. He's making the same analogy. Husbands, love your wives, just as Messiah also loved his community and gave himself up for her to make her holy, having cleansed her by immersion in the word. Messiah did this so that he might present to himself a glorious community, not having stain or wrinkle or any such thing, but in order that she might be holy and blameless. In the same way, in the same way that Yeshua loves, yeah, okay, in the same way, husbands ought to love their own wives 
as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. And we're to pattern that love after the love that Yeshua has for his community. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Messiah does his community, because we are members of his body. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The mystery is great, but I am talking about Messiah and his community. In any case, let each of you love his own wife as himself, and let the wife respect her husband. Unquote. That's Ephesians 5. Notice verse 32. He's talking about Messiah Yeshua and us. We're the bride of Messiah. In a sense, the Lord is our spouse. In a sense, the Lord is our lover. It's hard for us to understand, but this is the intensity of God's love. A husband doesn't hate his own body, but he cares for it. Likewise, he cares for his wife. Just makes sense. She's an extension of him because they're one. And likewise, the Lord cares for us because we're his body. A natural human husband doesn't hate his own body, but loves and cares for it. That's how the Lord feels about you. But even more so, because we're just people. I want us to close our eyes for a moment. Feel free to take a quick nap if you need to right here. Now for the rest of us, imagine a person. You closing your eyes? Imagine a person? Okay. Imagine a person that you have met, maybe they've gone on to be with the Lord, maybe they're still here, but a person that you've met who is very loving, do you see that person? Maybe they're a loving parent, maybe they're a loving spouse, a person that shows kindness and empathy and warmth, maybe they're a loving friend. Now imagine this person talking to you. What kinds of things are they saying? They're probably saying words of affirmation, words of grace, words of acceptance. They're probably seeing good things in you that you don't even see yourself. Words of wholeness and peace and forgiveness. Do you hear those words? Now open your eyes. Nap time's over, folks. Now this person that you saw, they're just a person. They're created by God. So if they, this loving person, if they are loving and affirming and forgiving, then God, who created them, must be infinitely more loving and affirming and forgiving than this person who's made in the image of God, but they are just a creation. This person for me, is my parents, my wife's family, and especially my wife. She's just a person, but she loves me no matter what. And she forgives me a hundred times a day if necessary. So I know that the God who created my wife must be even more forgiving and affirming and giving because she's just a person created by God. Really, you can do this with any created thing. Like the sun. As Brian Regan once said, the big yellow one is the sun. Anyway, so if God created the sun, then he must be infinitely more brilliant and powerful than the sun. You can't can't stare directly at the sun, right? But today, since it's Elul, 
We're talking about the intense love of God, which is like the love of marriage. It's like the love of a father or a mother, but so much more than we can even imagine. The cool of Elul means that this is a good time to renew our marital vows with the Lord. The Torah was like God's wedding vows with Israel on Mount Sinai. It was like a wedding. We are called the bride of Messiah. To remember that God loves us no matter what, that God's love is like the passionate love of a faithful spouse, this is very helpful. This is what we're doing now. It can be challenging to think of God as a spouse, but it's a helpful image because it gets us to understand a little bit better how he longs for us, like the woman that was longing for her lover in the streets, like the God in Genesis 3. The humans had just blown it, and he's searching them out, and they're hiding from him. It helps us to understand his zeal, sometimes called jealousy, but it's a, it's a zeal for us. His forgiveness, his forgiveness. We all know someone that's forgiving, right? How much more? Kalvachomer. How much more is the Lord forgiving? He chose us. You know, my wife picked me. The Lord chose us. I chose her. He runs after us. He pursued us. When we originally came to know the Lord, were we running after him? I don't think so. Scripture says he loved us first before we loved him. And he drew us by his love. He pursued us. I pursued my wife when, you know, she wasn't all into that. <laughs> she friend zoned me. But uh, I guess I showed her. I don't know. <laughs> but the point is that that's what the Lord does. He pursues us first. His covenantal faithfulness first. Therefore, because of his love, Elul is a good time to repent to turn from sin. Sometimes we think that in order to turn from sin, we need to be afraid of punishment. But the best motivator is God's love. Because Romans 2.4 says his kindness leads to our repentance. As for fear, this is what we find in 1 John 4.18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears has not been made perfect in love. So what should motivate us to change, to turn away from sin? Oh, I'm afraid the Lord is gonna punish me. No, he is just, he does punish sin, but that doesn't motivate us. What motivates us is that he pursues us in love. Did we get the Torah first or were we liberated from Egypt first? Which happened first? We were liberated from Egypt first. And then... He gave us his Torah. And he said, I want you to do this Torah because I brought you out of Egypt. Did he say to the Israelites, okay, I'm gonna give you my Torah. In order for me to take you out from slavery, I want you to do all these laws. Is that what he said? No. Does he want Israel to do all those laws? Yes. Because he brought them out. Because he made them his. You're my people now. That's the order of it. Yes, we follow him. Yes, we turn away from sin because he rescued us. The Israelites put the blood of the lamb on the door and they trusted God 
And then he brought them out and he took them to be his own. And then he gave them his laws. These are my ways. But that's the order. So we see that repentance, the repentance we can do in the cool of Elul requires being rooted in love. And remember, we're talking about God's love, which is as the passionate and faithful love of a spouse. Elul is Aleph, Lamed, Vav, Lamed. I am my beloved's and he is mine. This is a marriage canopy that I'm pointing to, by the way. This is a, it would be over a, over a chuppah, right? The, the canopy of marriage, which is kind of like a sukkah. It's God's protection. It's God's covering over us. I am my beloved's and he is mine. Let's say that together. I am my beloved's and he is mine. He belongs to us and we belong to him. He is zealous for us and he's zealous for our affections back. The prophet Hosea was told to marry an unfaithful woman, Gomer, as an object lesson for God's relationship with his beloved, the Jewish people. When she went after other lovers, Hosea felt what God felt. Then God shared his plan to win back unfaithful Israel. So then I myself will entice her, I will woo her, I will bring her into the wilderness and speak to her heart. I will give her back her vineyards from there and make the valley of Achor a door of hope. She will respond there as in the days of her youth, as in the days she came up out of the land of Egypt. In that day, it is the declaration of Adonai, you will proclaim my husband and never again call me my Baal. There's two words for husband in Hebrew. And Baal it also means master, but it's the name of another God. So in other words, the Lord will be the husband of Israel, not some other God. Then I will remove the names of the Baalim out of her mouth, no longer to be mentioned by their name. In that day, I will make a covenant for them with the beasts of the field, the flying creatures in the sky, and the creeping things on the ground. Sounds like the creation, right? I will break into pieces the bow and sword and warfare from the land and will cause them to lie down securely. Then I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me with righteousness, justice, covenant, loyalty, and compassion. Sounds like a husband, doesn't it? God's love for the children of Israel is zealous, winning her back from her other lovers, remaining faithful to her, though she has not been faithful to him just like Hosea's relationship with his unfaithful life. It was a natural thing, it was a human thing that Hosea got to understand how God loved them. So the cool of Elul, the spirit of Elul, is God's love drawing us back from sin into his embrace. But the cool of Elul is also about having a whole heart, an undivided heart. This is from this week's Torah portion in Deuteronomy 20. The context is when Israel goes off to war. The officers are to speak to the troops saying, what man has built a new house but has not dedicated it? Let him go back to his house. Otherwise he might die in battle and another man would dedicate it. What man has planted a vineyard but has not put it to use? Let him go back to his house. Otherwise he might die in the battle and another man begin to use it. What man has become engaged to a woman but has not married her? Let him go back to his house, otherwise he might die in the battle and another man would marry her. The officers will speak further to the troops and say, what man is afraid and faint-hearted? 
Let him go back to his house so that he does not weaken his brother's heart like his own. Then when the officers have finished speaking to the troops, they should appoint army commanders at the head of the troops. In other words, if you have a divided heart, you're not gonna fight well. You'll be thinking about your new wife or your, your fiance really, or the new field you just bought. And this will affect the morale of the camp and you won't be able to focus on the task at hand. This point I got from the book, This is Real and You Are Completely Unprepared by Rabbi Alan Liu. This book is about the days of awe in particular and the road to the high holidays in general. Rabbi Alan was not a messianic rabbi, but the book is helpful nonetheless in preparing for the high holidays. In the section on Elul, he talks about this state of mind that we are in when something is incomplete. It's called trafe da'at, a torn mind. You know the word traif is, is not kosher, it means something's torn. So trafe da'at, a torn mind, a mind pulled in various directions. Rabbi Allen then asked these questions, quote, so while we are conducting spiritual inventory during Elul, how might we begin by asking ourselves, what are the loose ends in my life? How is my mind torn? Where are the places my mind keeps wanting to go? What is the unfinished business in my life? What have I left undone? When we look out at the world through a torn mind, our experience of the world is torn, unquote. We don't wanna go out and do the things of God and be torn, right? We wanna be wholehearted. We wanna have one unified mind in pursuing him. It reminds me of Yeshua's words about following him in Luke 9. As they were traveling on the road, someone said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. But Yeshua said to him, foxes have dens and birds of the air have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. He said to another, follow me. But that one said, first let me go and bury my father. But Yeshua said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Then another said, I will follow you, master, but first let me say goodbye to those in my home. But Yeshua said to him, no one who has put his hand to the plow and has looked back is fit for the kingdom of God. These verses are about counting the cost of following Yeshua, but they're also about having an undivided heart. Elul is a time to consider where our attentions are. It's a time to tie up loose ends, to ask God to unify our focus onto him. A friend of mine has connected with an Orthodox Jewish woman that the Lord is drawing to himself. She just wants to know more and more and is convinced that the man who her community has said to stay away from is the source of love and light and life. However, she's afraid because of the potential rejection she might face in her community if they found out she was considering becoming a follower of Yeshua, a Messianic Jew. And this threat is not all in her head. She's married and she has children and there could be real consequences. But at the end of the day, we have to count the cost and be devoted to the Lord, even if it means we experience some rejection. Because the Lord says this, and this is what I prayed over this Jewish woman that the Lord is drawing. This is from Isaiah 41. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Behold, 
all who are angry at you will be ashamed and disgraced. Those who quarrel with you will be as nothing and perish. Though you will look for those who contended with you, you will not find them. Those who warred against you will be as nothing at all. For I am Adonai, your God, who upholds your right hand, who says to you, fear not, I will help you. In other words, Elul is a time to have an undivided heart, to focus on the Lord and what he is teaching us in this season, and to be rooted in his love for us. It's time to turn off the phone and tune into Hashem. Elul is the time to tie up unfinished business. If you have an offense against someone or you think they might have an offense against you, now is the time to do pre-forgiveness, to go to the person, to speak the truth in love and try to work it out. Therefore, if you're presenting your offering upon the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering, Matthew 5. The offering is on Yom Kippur and the offering is, is right here. <laughs> it's us. We are the living sacrifice. But we have to do some legwork first so we're more prepared. Elul is the month to allow the Lord to show us what's dividing our attention because the Lord wants to do heart surgery. And the root of these actions and the root of this legwork and the questions that we're contemplating in our own soul and allowing ourselves to go through heart surgery should be this. This is the, the root that's gonna help us. God loves us. It's his affection for us, his zeal for us, like a caring father, like a faithful husband. This should motivate us, therefore, to tie up those loose ends, to make things right with others, and to turn away with things that are hurting us or hurting others, to turn away from sin. The cool of Elul, the spirit of Elul, is faithful love and a focused whole heart on the Lord. It takes some doing. Some of it is our responsibility. It's our responsibility to turn, to respond to his seeking, to drop the distractions, to listen, to learn, to obey, to follow. And the heart surgery, the pursuing, the affirming of our value, these are things that the Lord wants to do, especially in this season with us. Avinu, our Father, we praise you. We acknowledge that you are all in all, that your love is a consuming fire. We barely understand it but we understand the love of a loving person and we know your love must be much more than that. So help us to, to receive your love first and then out of that receiving to do good works and to turn away from sin and to try to reconcile with our brother or sister and to be a blessing. And we thank you, Lord, that you're gonna direct our steps and that the rescuing and the wooing is your job. And it's our job, Lord, to respond. And we thank you for your faithful love, your chesed. B'Shem Yeshua. Amen.